Welcome back to Lost in Rochelle, the ultimate journey through the Stormlight Archive. I'm Christian. And I'm Jimmy. Today we are diving into chapters 12 and 13. As always, full spoilers ahead for all of Stormlight Archive. This is a reread podcast. So if you have not finished the first four books, we would suggest that you come back at a later time. But for everyone else, welcome back. And we are happy to have you. Uh, just so everyone at home knows, almost every single time we do the intro, I interrupt Christian on the first take. And I try my very best to make him laugh with the most like ludicrous thing I can think of. And uh, it's honestly the best part of my week. And he gets me every time. That's the most annoying part. I thought I could like build myself up by what are we in now? The ninth. Are we in the ninth episode? We are in the ninth episode. Whoa, that's crazy. Um, But he's got me every time. I'm zero for three, I think, the amount of times you've done this. Um, Maybe I'll get you. Maybe you need to do the, the intro. Uh, we I'm might just, have to switch. Maybe every 10 episodes, we'll switch it up. You know, just keep yeah, it look, sharp. I want to tell people to keep their safe hands covered. You know, it's like, it where's is. my PSA? I feel like if we ever made merch, that would be the first shirt to make, right? Yeah. I think they would think we're some weird cult. Like, if someone's wearing a shirt that says, keep your safe hand covered, they would probably be like, ooh, that's, yeah. that looks like uh, a group I don't want to be a part of. Yeah, like they, they <laughs> to like the cult bite model, right? Like the controlling of media and all that. I could, I could see it. I could see us starting our own cult. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, like a Rosharian cult, and yeah. we all have like um, chul helmets or something. I don't know. I can't. We got to think of a better look. Um, but once we get that going, I think we could do quite well. Yeah, it is definitely all about like how good you look as a cult. You know what I mean? You can't be walking around in white t-shirts and like loose pants. We need sh- like the shard plate. You know what I mean? And Dalinar doesn't want to color up his shard plate. Like we're going to keep it simple, but we're going to look mm. good. Yeah. I, and at what point are we just a club? You know, I think cult has some sort of like, ooh, like something, something's going on here. Yeah, I kind of want that baggage. <laughs> you want that? Okay, yeah, great. Brilliant. Well, well, we'll work it out. Um, we'll do a poll on how we want the cult to look and uh, we'll talk about it next episode. I wow. To be banned uh, from YouTube. This is one minute, weird. one minute in and we're forming a cult. Oh my God. Um, this is the quality. This, the quality dip is, is just going straight down. Um, how's your week? How's your week been, dude? I've good. Been busy. Uh, been very, very busy, but I've been having a lot of fun getting back, uh, you know, into the second part of way of Kings and talking to the colons, uh, and just, you know, being in Roshar, man, it's great. And I'm also reading Shadow of the Torture by Gene Wolfe, which I'm like getting my mind blown by. So that's always fun. Uh, but yeah, not bad. Not, not, not too, too bad. You're, you're busy. How, how are you? You doing all right? Yeah, I'm busy. I'm packing lots of boxes and doing a move at the moment. So it was a, a tight squeeze to get these chapters in this week. And like you said, man, seeing these boys again, oh, felt good. Felt good yeah. to be back in the, in the Dalinar and Adolin POV. Felt and, like we're back in stormlight for reals now. Yeah, and and also just knowing like where we go, it's like, oh yeah, Renarin's a person. Like I totally forgot Renarin. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's glasses. I love how didn't we have a chat like, oh glasses? Are they rare? I think we said that with Liren, and then I'm like, oh bloody hell, Renarin exists. He's wearing yes. a pair of glasses the entire series. Yeah, just um, being a nerd, not want to be at the front lines. <laughs> yeah, well, epilepsy will do that to you. Um, I had to remind myself what his exact condition was. I couldn't remember when I was reading these. Renarin's like there are some characters that just slip your memory. You, you like selectively keep things from certain series, and then after like if you haven't read it for a few years, mm-hmm. people get lost in your memory. 
Well, especially by book four. I mean, there's just so much to the series. The scope is massive. You know, this is truly an epic that 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 tag gets thrown around a lot mm. uh, of epic fantasy. But the more uh, I remember from the series, the more I'm like, oh, yeah, this is like really, truly some epic project. Um, so it's not surprising that people fall through the, the wayside. Right. Like Elokar, uh, I know. Right. And we, we've talked about how he passes mm. away and, you know, he gets murdered or whatever. But we, we kind of see him here and I'm like, man, I forgot all the characterization it gets placed on him in just a chapter or two. Oh, there was so much characterization in these chapters. Like it was so good to me. Like usually mm. I'm the guy who's like, where's the law? Give me, um, give me a Cosmere reference. But here I was just enjoying being in their heads. And yeah. I think that's the case. Like, yeah, we remember El Hokar because his story's done. His arc is complete. He died. But like Renar and I'm always like, where, where are we up to with him? Like what's the latest thing by rhythm of war? uh don't really remember to be fair i don't really remember clearly and that's part of the fun to like actually rediscover this stuff because mm-hmm. everyone says like oh i wish i could read this for the first time again sometimes it feels like that hey oh definitely parts of it you know and those are the best series uh the ones that you can go back to and find something else to attach yourself to on another reread and this is definitely turning out to be the case for stormlight um we had a weekly poll though and we were talking yeah. about all of the books. We we're talking about all four books, and we were saying, "What is y'all's favorite Sanderlanch, aka the most epic stand up out of your chair ending?" And the results surprised me just a little bit. Ooh, okay. Well, our clear winner with forty nine. But before I say this, our most popular poll to date. Thank you very much, guys. Three thousand votes. It's a new record for mm-hmm. Lost in Rosha. Beautiful. But with forty nine percent of the votes, so almost fifteen hundred vo- votes was Oathbringer. This didn't surprise me. Why did did Oathbringer being the winner surprise you? Yeah, it did a little bit because, I mean, I know that the ending in the Sander Lanch is insane in that book. <laughs> but I feel like whenever I hear people talk about Sander Lanch's words of radiance is always brought mm. up. And I and I do feel and this is obviously anecdotal, but I do think that Ra- words of radiance seems to be the highest regarded book in the Stormlight Archive. Yeah. Uh, I even know people who aren't really big on the series, but say, man, but Words of Radiance, that was a heck of an ending. So to me, I was thinking Words of Radiance was going to be the go-ahead winner, but you know, it 40 not I mean, that's a commanding victory. <laughs> yeah. Offense, 49. Like you said, 1500 votes. And this is one of the one I would have picked. I actually would have picked Oathbringer. I really enjoyed Oathbringer, but I just I know it's a little bit more polarizing. Yeah, right. Yeah. I I Oh, it's interesting. I'll go through the votes and I'll give you my take. So second place was Words of Radiance, 24% of the votes. Way of King, 16%. Rhythm of War, the lowest at 11%, but with a lot of defense in the comments, which were, man, reading the comments was like reminding me why this is my favorite series, because it took me back to, you know, like right now, my memory of Stormlight is going to buy books with Shalan and like, you know, walking around some rocks with Kaladin. But I've forgotten all these glorious, glorious moments that are coming up. Not to say this hasn't been great, but I'm like, oh man, all these, all these amazing moments. I remember reading these scenes. I remember them really hitting me hard. Um, I think all of these Sandalanches have their own strengths. Every ending of um, these books are amazing for different reasons. Mm-hmm. For me, Oathbringer is like there's I forget which chapter it is but it is like a hundred pages or something ridiculous. And it's just swapping POVs and people are doing ridiculously cool stuff for a yeah. long time. It's a huge power up. Yeah. Yeah. Yasna is just like spawning stairs and like 
killing people and wow. sets falling from the sky lifts sliding through and like Dalinar's summoning freaking um perpendicularity like everything's going crazy like it is insane and i get why it won but i don't know man there's something about the ending of the way of kings that had that emotional impact mm. that i still don't think has been topped would you agree I- yeah, you know, I, I think whenever I think about Way of Kings, a lot of people are like, really, you like it that much? There's that, you know, a long portion of the book that is really just Kaladin trying to get back on his feet. Mm. But it's it is it's the ending, which, by the way, I've forgotten a lot of details about. So I'm excited to get there in the reread. Yeah. But, but you're right. I remember that resonating with me emotionally. And at the end of the book, I said, OK, I'm in. Like you, you've you've yeah. sealed the deal for me, Sanderson. I'm, I'm, I'm invested. And Words of Radiance in my I like Words of Radiance more as a book mm. but oh, way of yeah. kings definitely had i think more of the emotional attachment i actually kind of feel like i lost more emotion as i went on and i don't necessarily mean that as a bad thing it's just that there's so much happening i'm not sure where to put the weight yeah i everything. totally understand that i okay. totally understand that yeah Make for sure it. yeah no because this feels way more intimate this um the way of kings mm-hmm. and it's that moment where it's like you're all like the storylines click between dalinar and kaladin's story like so well yeah. In that final scene where he's like, we got to go back. we got to go save him. And it's just bridge four running just yeah. them, you know, and you're just like, oh, it's just, Let's so, go. yeah, it's such, such a good moment. It's just, it's got that focus. Um, whereas like Oathbringer is like 50, like climactic movies ending at the same time. And you're like, where do I look? <laughs> this is madness. Yeah. And Oathbringer uh, might also be the riskiest book. I mean, he, he definitely broke his, his typical structure and went with a couple different climaxes. And it's not something that you see often in a lot of books. The only book I can really think of that has that type of moment, I would say is like storm of swords and the bone mm-hmm. hunters last. And, you know, bone hunters is very much two books. Yeah. And I would say Oathbringer with its endings almost feels like three or four books kind of coming in yeah. to, to the close there, uh, which which is probably why it won the poll so decided uh, decisively. Rhythm of War, I was surprised it was so close yeah. to, to Way of Kings because I did not find the um, Sandra Lynch and Rhythm of War to be anywhere near the level as, as the others personally. Yeah, me neither. I think it had a, um, a strong emotional Sandra Lynch. Mm-hmm. It had that emotional payoff of like Kaladin with his fourth ideal, emotional scenes with him, like speaking with Tien somehow. Um, all the issue, all the things with Raboniel and Navani. And I mean, the biggest like holy crap moment was Taravangin killing Odium. That was, that was the most That's insane the best part thing. of the book, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was freaking amazing. Taravangin is the best character in Stormlight. How about that? Oh, like, ooh. I, I mean, I, I love it. He's my favorite Sanderson character. Yeah. Um, he's, he's, he's so cool. Whenever it clicked to me, whatever Sanderson was doing with his whole, like he's done one day and a genius, the other, like I found mm. that just to be brilliant. Yeah. Um, very in, fun. When, when doing some research today, I saw, um, in the way of Kings prime, Renarin was actually planned to be the dude who wrote the diagram, which is interesting. Um, I'm glad it was. I'm glad everything turned out the way it did. But look, I think all these endings have their strengths and they're mm-hmm. all great. Um, I'm actually going to put forth the case that maybe Words of Radiance was the perfect balance of like the character moments, the cool spectacle, the emotional moments, and like some revelations in the story too. I feel like that's like the perfect Sandalanch, but Oathbring is probably a more like exciting one, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, I remember ripping through Boards of Radiance. I think it took me about two months to read Way of Kings, not because I wasn't enjoying it, just you know, mm. it's a big book. And I think I read Words of Radiance like a week. Like, yeah, I me too. <laughs> And that pacing of that book was excellent. Uh, I mean, the opening of it is wild. You know, I just, I really enjoyed everything about that book. That That's the one I'm most excited to reread um, alongside yeah, of War because I just want, I would just want to experience uh, my least favorite and my favorite, my favorite being Words of Radiance, my least favorite mm-hmm. being Rhythm of War and see what it's like coming back to it years later. Uh, also having read hundreds and hundreds of other fantasy books underneath my belt, you know, my, my reading taste has changed quite a bit. So I think it'll be really interesting and I can't wait to get there. Yeah, me neither. And having read a handful of other books between, I, <laughs> between them, I mean, I've watched a lot more things, but yeah, look, I'm excited to see does, um, does my old decrepit self feel the same way as my youthful, <laughs> hopeful man did when i first read these books no it's going to be good um before we move into these chapters though we like round of applause please as you listen to this because our man Mm -hmm. jimmy was correct with his non-balat theory thank you all for commenting and pointing me towards confirmation that something magical is going on here how did you feel jimmy when i whenever i sent you this you know i feel i feel validated i feel (laughs) vindicated after all of the uh the naysayers, the haters, if you will, saying, oh, Jimmy, yes. you're crazy. Uh, and it turns out, hey, I got one right out of 1,000 of my predictions. Uh, so, uh, that, that is, now, you could claim, well, he knew that. He read it on. I did not. Um, this is just something I felt. I felt like Sanderson was being way too on the nose with how hateable this guy was. It was almost tropey in a way. And uh, based on what, what someone commented and then you looked it up and found that the case is, is that there's a lot more going on there. Hmm. Yeah. Well, this is what exactly. I'm just going to take out the most important bits. Basically, someone asked Sanderson what you said. Is there something magical going on with uh, Shalon's brother? He's a bit weird. Um, he says, "What's happening to Nambalat is magically enhanced." He goes, "What's up with him is uh, being exaggerated by certain forces moving in on Roshar." Hmm. I'm mm. that just takes me to unmade straight away i'm like okay certainly yeah i i would agree it just and now it's it's wondering why and yeah. how how these yeah things. I, don't, I don't think the who i mean maybe who of the unmade right isn't is, is a yeah. question to ask but why him why shalon's family which you know you have your theory which i'm a big yeah. fan of uh, uh you know if he's her mom being a herald and uh, i hope we get some answers in the fifth book because now that's like my pet mm-hmm. theory <laughs> Well, they've just reintroduced him by the end of Rhythm of War because mm-hmm. um, the ghost buzz like, hey, got your brothers. But also I would like to fit my theory because that's what I always love to do. Um, certain forces moving on Roshar, eh, kind of, that could be, that could be Heralds, could be, maybe. Um, but I think Unmade is a bit more likely. But yeah, yeah, it was cool to see that. It was cool to get that from you guys in the comments. Thank you for mentioning that. But um, I think it's time to meet... Uh, the boys the colons yes it absolutely yeah. is and for everyone that is following along with us or been listening you know that we've been covering the death rattles at the beginning of our reread chapters however um this section has a bit of a different flavor to it it mm. is not death rattles but a letter written written by wit or hoyd as we know him and has some crazy stuff in it but what we're going to do we're not going to read each section of the letter we are actually going to wait to the end of this part when we get all the way done with all these chapters for part two. And then before 
uh, the interludes or maybe even in the same episode, we yeah. will read the letter in its entirety. So these little epigraphs, we're just going to, we're not going to be mentioning them until the very end of this part. We just want to put that out there. I think we, we decided that breaking the letter down at the end of this part may provide context to the letter of little hints, maybe that we're supposed mm. to be picking up on. Um, but also we think it would be easier uh, for a breakdown if we do the letter all at once at the end. Yeah. I remember desperately wishing I could understand this when I first read it. <laughs> I'm like, why don't I get it? Why don't I? I didn't even know about the Cosmere. I'm just like, surely I can figure this out. I've read A Song of Ice and Fire. I can do anything. No, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> There's a whole universe out there waiting to be unveiled. Uh, and it seems like all roads point to Roshar right now. It, oh, it really does. And did you, were you struck by the chapter title like I was? Unity. I, yeah. I was going to ask you, what is the symbol at the top of the chapter? It's on both of the chapters. Um, this is just like the Elena slash, I think Aelin also gets it. It's just like, you know, how Kaladin and Shalon have their chapter icon. I think it's just like the colon glyphs. Okay. It, I think that's it. I don't think there's some secret to it. Um, although it's on a shield. So like a lot of this, this symbol gets mentioned like some people fit it into some of the death rattles, mm -hmm. um, which we'll get more of later, but I'm pretty sure it's just like colon symbols on a cool shield. Like I said, Sanderson said these are part of bigger scenes later. Um, Maybe they make a cool shard shield with these symbols on it, but I don't know. I mean, it almost feels like behind it, there's this sphere and it almost makes me Ooh. feel like it's the blacked out sun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Keep going, man. I like it. And like it, maybe the colons are the reason why the sun ends up getting blacked out, possibly. Oh, that fits into some of my theories. Yeah. Just, I mean, any any way we can make the sun blacked out, I'll take it. <laughs> That's right. Well, it looks like it's been scribbled over. Yeah, That's yeah. No, you're right. Thinking. Like I never actually considered the back of it. Hey. Yeah, right. it very much looks like something that was scribbled over in an illustration. Maybe it's in Shalon's sketchbook. Who knows? Um but I just thought that that was a, a bit of an interesting little detail to this emblem at the top of chapters 12 and 13. Yeah, I think this warrants a YouTube video one day of like, let's get all the symbols and let's just go nuts with theories. Yeah, and it'd be nice um, in a video format because you can actually show them, right? Yeah, yeah. Zoom 100%. in and do all that stuff. Yeah, I'd love to add more video elements to this podcast. Right now, it's like I'm doing tidbits with quotes and stuff on YouTube. Um I think it might, well, I think it, we have so much room to grow as we, as we continue. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, look, unity, I just thought, okay, everything I'm just really cognizant of these, are the first chapters for all of these characters in an epic fantasy. And this is Brandon Sanderson we're dealing with. So everything's so intentional, right? Yeah. yeah. So we've got unity, we've got Dalinar and Adolin, it switches between them. Um, and look, his whole, thing his whole character right he's been told unite them unite them and there's this whole discussion which we'll talk about many a time i'm sure as we go through the dalinar visions is what the heck is that actually mean like what is he meant to unite right mm -hmm. um i don't know my, my brain just started going with theories right away with dalinar being like will he unite the shard of honor and like be unity or something like he will become unity or like you know you can so see this chapter title being like oh a big aha moment one day 
Yeah, I would agree with this. And, you know, another thing that kind of struck me here is like thinking about the radiance, right? And bringing them together. And Dalinar does have a hand in that. And, you know, the Everstorm is coming, the Everstorm. And me and you have already postulated the fact that we think that the Everstorm might be something that we haven't seen yet. And it's not just simply another storm, but something much bigger, um, you know, yeah. the apocalyptic type event that that we're expecting. And I think that the uh, Unite Them could also have a bigger purpose and even maybe just have a double meaning as well. So I, I would agree with you, and especially whenever you're seeing Dalinar with these visions early on. And maybe we're just, you know, we have six more books. So maybe we are looking back on it now and being like, it can't be that simple. But really, <laughs> it, it only seems simple because we have the answers. So I don't know. Maybe. I don't know if I feel like I'm being too. Um, what's what's the word? curious? I guess maybe that mm-hmm. would be the word I would use, or maybe suspect. I'm I'm a little too suspect, possibly of the of the writing here, but I don't know. I don't. Yeah, know. like look, think about it, man. Did did any of look as epic as the ending of these books were with like the quote unquote Everstorm and these beings of Odium coming? Have they ever really felt like? You know, as big as you want it to be. No. As in, like, this is the end? Not really. No. So it feels like something big is coming. Yes. And unite them. It just feels like it's such a vague, it's like such an open term that could be applied to anything almost. Yeah, it really does. And, (laughs) you know, Stormfather, I mean, there's a lot going on with Dalinar. And I I just wanted to remark, and we kind of said this already, but the characterization in these two chapters is excellent. Like uh, Sanderson does many things very well. I think that his beginning characterization in this chapter of unity is some of his best writing. And it's not because of any purple prose or anything like that, but it's because of what he gives us. And and I'm going to read the beginning of this chapter. It says, Today, King Elikar announced, riding beneath the bright open sky, is an excellent day to slay a god, wouldn't you say? Undoubtedly, your majesty, Sadius replied with smooth quick and said with a knowing smile, one might say the gods, as a rule, should fear the Alethi nobility, most of us at least. (laughs) Adolin gripped his reins a little more tightly. It put him on edge every time High Prince Sadius spoke. Do we have to ride up here at the front? Renarn whispered. I want to listen, Adolin replied softly. So in those, what, maybe eight to nine lines, we get Elokar talking about it's an excellent day to slay a god, which, I mean, you have to already assume that this guy is a bit arrogant. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe even a little bit delusional would be a good word to use there. You mm-hmm. see Sadius is a complete um, brown noser, <laughs> right? He's sucking up. Um, first person to speak, yes, you're king. Yes, you're grace. Mm. Uh, and then you have Renarin saying, do we really have to be up here? showing that Renarin is a lot more timid. And then you have Adolin, who is gripping his reins just a little more tightly, on edge every time High Prince Sadius spoke. So we know that there's a tension there. We kind of get an idea of who Sadius is. Elikar seems delusionally arrogant already, talking about murdering gods, and then Renarin being very, very timid. Um, This establishes so much of what these characters are and who they are, and it is very, very, very impressive. Yeah, it's so efficient, but so impactful, and they just get built upon as the chapter continues. Yes. I um I highlighted that line from Elokar, and I just like you know it's a I said badass way to open a chapter. I agree. Though, and then I highlighted the line from Sadius, and I wrote "shut up." And that was 
that was my note. <laughs> so <laughs> we get to the introduction, and then I would say the the interpretation of these lines, what I what I get presented is true. However, mm-hmm. Sanderson takes the next chapter and two and actually builds a little bit of nuance behind this. So obviously, we see that Elicar hmm. struggling with filling the shoes of his father and also yeah. being super nervous about what can happen to him. We even see Sadius work with Dalinar to mm. do his duty to protect his king. And then we see that Renarin, hinted at by Wit, is a lot more capable and okay than people think to be. And then, of course, Adolin's just a mess in my opinion (laughs) yeah he's all over the place he's he's great in these first two books for me um so so even though we're presenting things at face value which i would say that what i said was accurate there's there's still a lot more to these characters and sanderson's Mm. uh just slowly kind of peels away those layers uh by making them interact with each other which i love Mm. yeah it feels like we've got like 10 times more interaction than we're used to so far in this book it's been very much two people having a chat most mm-hmm. of the chapters we've read but this is like a whole cast of characters we're getting introduced to it's i think it was a pretty bold move to hold off on these guys for so long yeah yeah i mean you know the there's a lot of risks that he takes in um stormland archive and a lot of them are right here in the first book in my opinion yeah. it's the old double prologue uh, <laughs> interesting decision to introduce renarin and dalinar through the adolin pov and i think yeah, that is most likely intentional because mm-hmm. I think Adolin is going to be the main colon in the back half of the Stormlight Archive. Because I think Dalinar is dead in book five, personally. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. And this is how we, we get our first like real description of what's going on with Dalinar. And it's from the Adolin's perspective. He says, Dalinar colon was going mad. Whenever a high storm came, he fell to the floor and began to shake. Then he began raving and gibberish. Often he's uh, he'd... St- I'm sorry. He'd stand blue eyes, delusional and wild, swinging and flailing. Adolin had to restrain him lest he hurt himself or others. So one thing that's weird about this, and I don't think this is a mystery, but this is just like one of these things that kind of bothers me is that we're, we're getting this chapter from Adolin's limited third person perspective. And he mm-hmm. calls his dad Dalinar colon. Yeah. I, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's a yeah. Weird. Right. Yeah. Is that, is that just in the writing style? I get you. Sometimes yes. I always wonder in these like third person perspectives, because sometimes there is exposition, right? Yes. It's like sometimes you feel like you're breaking out of their head for a minute and Absolutely. you just make it a bit convenient for the reader. It, it that's 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 exactly what it is. It is yeah. to remind you that it's Dalinar Colon and it, it and it is. And that that's what it is. It's a signpost to say, hey, this is his full name, this is his dad, same last name, and everything. But there are times where Sanderson does this that it takes me out a little bit because mm. I'm in Adolin's head and I'm trying yeah, to get think you. like I'm Adolin. And then yeah. it, it'll say like, you know, Dalinar Colon. And I'm like, I've never thought of my dad as i'm not i'm not trying to you know bash the writing or anything just no, no i get you but I it is you. important to notice that you know he's saying he's going mad he's going through these mm. fits and adolin thinks about his grandfather who came back from the war and would have war flashbacks we hear a little bit about ptsd and he says is this what's happening to my father and we know of course that it is not no your your dad's in a vr experience mate He's getting a he's getting a whole other thing. I saw that the line about Adolin's grandfather, and I was like, "Oh, is this you know? Is this some family thing?" And then, mm-hmm. oh, I'm like, oh, same PTSD. here. Yeah, yeah, I got so yeah. excited. I immediately went to the lineage. I was like, "The family tree's wrong." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the red that? string was out. Yes, yes who is it he? Was. 
<laughs> this is not a Devar family tree, so it is no. not as hectic. I don't think. No, I don't think. Well, unless you, well, unless you read Oathbringer, it gets a bit hectic. But yeah, more or less. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so we see here that Adolin obviously hates Sadius, and he actually t- t- thinks about dueling uh, Sadius, like a challenge. <laughs> and that's interesting because that happens to be a pretty big point. Yeah, because like I was reading this, thinking, man, it foreshadows Adolin. Yes. killing this dude right yeah so I'm like what else is it foreshadowing you know what else is this first chapter gonna tell us um yeah. ugh, i don't like yeah now i'm thinking do i hate sadius because i'm reading as adolin or do i just hate it i think i just hate him i had a little bit of respect for sadius in this chapter hey, I'm, I'm, i like the little bro acknowledgement between him I, and Dalinar, but that's not enough. I should say the second chapter. Actually, yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. this chapter, but but in our yeah. chapters that we read, I actually was like, you know what, Sadius, not a great guy, you could no. say, but did have some merit. Yeah, look, I agree. And Dalinar defends him too to Adolin. He's like, you know, like we've got our differences, but he's still, you know, he still does his job. Yes. But yeah, but he's just such a prick about it. Like <laughs> he really is. You don't have to be. Yeah. Um. What I what struck me so much is like I really just felt the love and respect from Adolin towards his brother and his dad. Like there's just yeah. so much there. Where it mm-hmm. says, What did you do as a son when the man you loved, the greatest man alive, started to lose his wits? He's like, I don't know, I just love this family connection we keep seeing, and he's so nice to Renarin as well. It just felt yeah. like a good bond between the and that line is, is is true in the human experience for me because i don't know if you've ever have a loved one that is you know mm. been down in a hospital bed or if you have like my grandfather went through dementia and you're just like looking at this i'm looking at this world war ii veteran that is mm. the bravest man i knew and he's out of his mind you know and it's a very that's a tough thing to swallow oh you know? man i've had the same thing with grandparents as well and you just think they had this entire life they had all these experiences and you see them like that it's really hard to deal with yeah um and you know adolin's feeling this way like is this you know he sees glimpses of the blackthorn and the guy he knows his dad to be but he's also like man what's is he are we losing him you know what do i do yeah, and then and then we jump into Dalinar's POV, and we see him starting to become a little bit of the Black Thorn. You know, he's Ooh, he's yeah. trying to do this this race with Elakar, and he's like, "I'm gonna smash this kid," and <laughs> he, is, yeah. he is smashing. But it is yeah. it says a lot about Dalinar's character the fact that he actually backs off and then lets Elakar mm. because he needs to unite them, unite and, them, unite them, and it's so <laughs> important that he does that. And you know, in these chapters, we also see Dalinar think about how um, at first he says, I'm sorry, Gavilar. And we don't get much else. But then a little mm. bit later in the chapter, he says, I was a drunk and unable to help my brother. And it's like, you know, but you're seeing this and he's following the codes. And, you know, as a reader, you're thinking like, what is up with this guy? There is so much going oh, on. Oh, man. Yeah, he feels like, you know, like he's going through AA or something and he's yeah. trying to. He's trying to be know, better. Be, yeah be better and clean up um sorry the lost brain in me is just looking at dalinar's first lines unite them i'm sorry there's got it this is like you know if that's the first line of your character ever mm-hmm. this is like this is it that's like, right he's uniting something i know what he's doing but he's doing something maybe he um as kaladin says honor is dead i can see what i can do dalinar says unite him and they both wink at the camera, and then there's the ending <laughs> of Life Five. 
That's the missing piece. <laughs> yeah, what, what a great first line. Unite them. The words whispered in Dalinar's <sighs> mind. He couldn't rid himself of them. They consumed him as he trotted gallant across a rocky boulder-strewn plateau on the Shattered Plains. And Epic. a place that we will become very familiar with over the next hundreds, a uh, few hundred pages. Oh, epic, dude. What did you think of the the Rishadium gallant and stuff? How cool are they? They're very cool. Very, yeah. very cool. I love it. Yeah, so there's some uh, I didn't really go down the the rabbit hole with them because I feel like a lot of this a lot of these sort of things we're going to see a lot over the next few episodes. Mm-hmm. So we can't dive into every piece of lore, but the whole bonding thing is quite interesting with them. How intelligent they are and just how much better more? they are than the average horse like is, heaps, heaps Is there more to them? In. Yeah, yeah, there is. There is. I just uh I have, <laughs> I didn't really refresh my memory. All I know is like, there's more spread well, stuff and bonds and all that. Yeah, that's right. Uh, when I saw that, I was thinking that, um, yeah. and recalling that. And the next time they're mentioned uh, in a chapter, maybe we'll do a little bit of a deep dive on what we think is going on with them. Yeah. Yeah. They're just so cool. And just like the scale of all of this was yeah. so awesome. Just like, Oh, he's wearing a shard plate. He's eight feet tall and the visor goes translucent. And he's just like, it felt like Halo, man. It felt like Master yeah, Chief. It really it did. Yeah. Six foot long broadsword. Like, come oh, on, let's go. Hell yeah. Yeah. And like, Bonnie's over here making shard uh, bows, which, by the way, <laughs> I thought it was really, and we're kind of getting into both chapters here. Yeah. I, think, I think, are we okay with that? Just kind of talking fine. about both, like, because we're not separate and by death rattles. So we're kind of talking about chapters 12 and 13. But in yeah. 13, we hear about the shard bows. And I thought it was really interesting that Adolin was like, I didn't like that name for them, though, because mm. nothing the Fabrial technology could make could compare to this, like, he almost it doesn't refer to him as natural, but like you kind of get that feeling. He yeah, seems to be yeah. So long, and and it really just made me wonder, like, and and maybe this has already been answered, by the way. So mm. you can tell me if I'm dumb, like how these things came to be. Yeah. Right. Well. Okay. There's so much. So basically, <laughs> you've broken my brain. I'm not getting my <laughs> like 15 thoughts. We're trying to get out at once there. Yeah. So look, the shard blades and the shard plate we all know they're like the basis of them are spren mm-hmm. so like the shard blades that everyone has are dead eye spren and renarin whenever he gets one he he like can tap into that for whatever reason because he hears the scream every time that's, he that's right blade, right i just remembered this yeah yeah no yeah that's fine and then like we only learned really late i believe that like shard plate was also the same thing because like whenever kaladin leveled up again in rhythm of war all the spren formed into like shard plate immediately which was sick so um tough. yeah so it's so That's cool it. right so like yeah just making something mechanically doesn't really live up to that so i think they all know like they've got this it's got this presence about it right maybe they yeah. just can't yeah, there's something out. about that that statement though that really stood out mm. to me for two reasons. One, I said, okay, you know, this is maybe Sanderson's little nudge that there's a lot more going on with the shard plate and this stuff. Like yeah. you need to be thinking about why they're so special. But also it made me think about he's talking about how old it is and stuff. And it's like, oh yeah, these people think they're from Roshar. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they think that they that they were born here, and this is where like humanity started. Which we Mm. know as the reader now that that's not the that's not the case. Yeah, it's yeah, it's they got a whole 
misinterpretation of their entire entire history, mm-hmm. which is yeah. really fun. Just because you forget too after you read in their minds for long enough, you forget as well. Yeah, it's so um, true. Yeah, he puts the blinders on you, and I just I usually just like smile and go along with Sanderson. I'm very easily tricked by him. Um, not <laughs> this time. No, I refuse. Um, we also saw the the thrill. The thrill is back. What do you think mm. of the thrill? I uh, I liked it the first time I read it. And I liked it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was like, yeah, okay. So this is like coming from an unmade. It was cool to like know that this time. Yeah. Wow. And see, and see, there's just like a lot more unmade stuff than I was expecting. Because mm-hmm. we're already talking about it with Nambalat, we're talking about it with the death rattles, and now we're talking about it with the thrill. So there's a lot of like just a lot of background groundwork. And in that same scene, I loved this. The gauntlets covered his hands, but the ancient armor somehow transferred sensation to his fingers. It was as if he were wearing thin leather thin leather gloves. And it's just like, yeah, dude, that's way better than a shard bow or whatever. As cool as that is, Navani, props to you, but like this is crazy tech. It felt like high tech stuff out of nowhere in this series. And it just, just continues this theme of like Stormlight being very unique in fantasy. And in my opinion, you've read a lot more, but this feels like a weird sci-fi fantasy fusion at times. Yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm reading uh, Shadow of the Torture by Gene Wolfe right now, Book of the New Sun. And it does a lot of stuff that like blends the lines and it's described in one way. But if you actually look beyond just the on-page description, you're like, wait, is this tower and castle actually a rocket ship? yeah craziness you know and and that's one of the things like about stormlight is there are times where this feels just as sci-fi as something like dune uh you know just the technology that that's being used and i love that navani's favorite technology gets mentioned i think the shard bows are great but there is something supernatural about shard plate and shard blades clearly yeah i mean just think about it i yeah thinking of this like dune if you saw people in shard plate jumping down these 40 foot rocks and like the the ground exploding as they land you you would assume you're watching a sci-fi not a yes. fantasy that's right and this is the stuff that has to get nailed for an adaptation like Ugh. you cannot say well we'll just put them in medieval armor and they'll have like, <laughs> no it'll be a medieval. massive deal eh? yeah you, you can't be doing all that um yeah so what, what, what do you think about this race between dalinar and uh Elicar. I just, oh, as much as I respect Dalinar for um, stopping himself and being like, no, let the boy win. Um, I was a bit annoyed because I'm just like, this Elicar needs to be um, humbled a little, at least in the way you know him now. Like you, you don't understand just how much he's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, it, again, like we were saying before, it's not only he's just doing so much in these chapters. There's so much characterization. You see his relationship, his guilt for basically feeling responsible for Gavilar's death, wanting to take care of his son and be better. But also he explains shard plate exactly. And, uh, the shattered planes and the chasm fiends, like all at the same time. Yeah. I just felt so like, I felt so well-fed, you know, I felt so content. (laughs) I'm just like, I'm getting, I'm full. I'm just like getting everything I want right now. I'm not missing anything. This, these chapters like filled me up. (laughs) And what was interesting was seeing Glory Spren 
I liked this little this little touch, and it reminded me of a. So I'll, I'll read it. Um, this is after Elikar wins the race. It says, "Glory spread like tiny golden translucent globes of light began to pop into existence around him, attracted by his sense of accomplishment." What What made me laugh was because I watched a clip recently of Sanderson talking about the adaptation. And he was like, I just can't have Spren look like Looney Dunes with like the, the the stars going around someone's head when they fall over or whatever. Um, and I read this, I'm like, this feels very Looney Tunes, but like in a in like in a way that I'm not bothered by. I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't really take me out. I, I've always no. just kind of imagined it. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I don't know how I really imagined it because I'm not a visual reader, mm. but it, it's never really felt that way to me, I guess, is, is mm. the only thing I can really say about it. Um, I've just kind of always accepted it. It was a part of the world, I guess. Yeah. Like there's, there's a few ways I'd imagine it. So part of me is like, okay, it's like little animated gifts going off around his head, um, which is a bit more egregious. But another part of me is like, you know, when you get those little artifacts with your your eyes whenever you look at the sun and you blink and you see all the little yeah like you know spren could be more of an abstract artifact sort of thing so are you telling our our listeners to stare directly into the sun to see their yes that's a part of our cult you must stare in the sun (laughs) with your (laughs) i love it (laughs) with your safe hand covered sun safety guys rule number one yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) um what did you think about um his paranoia, Elokar's paranoia. I mean, very relatable. <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, I think if, uh, you know, my father was fascinated, <laughs> I'd probably be a little bit worried it's going to happen to me too. And also not to mention that the culture that is around Elokar, uh, mm. he's probably aware that like Sadius and, and all these other princes are, are playing games. Like they're, they're trying mm. to, to climb the ladder per se. And who knows how far someone will take that. Um, you know, we, we get the description, I think, from Adolin that basically all the princedoms are essentially like kingdoms in their own and people are trying to climb and, and, and yada, yada, yada. So I, I think I think paranoia is probably on everyone's plate uh, that, yeah. that is part of this. Yeah, like um, it, it was interesting because, he, yeah, I like that description, too, because you get a sense of how this all works. And like it seemed like Gavilar was the only figurehead everyone was kind of happy to be under. Yeah. And after he died, everyone's like, well, I was running my own kingdom anyway, and now we've got this kid. And Dalinar's just like his bodyguard. I don't know. Like they're not feeling it as much. But the um the thing that's interesting, do you know what's going on here with part of his paranoia? Do you remember what this is um going into? No, all? but please remind me. I will, I shall. So I'll read a few lines. Um he's just he's just like annoyed at Dalinar for not <laughs> taking him seriously. Um he says, it's what they might send when we're not looking, when all is dark and quiet that you should be trying to protect me from. And he is talking about these trespassers on his balcony and he goes, there was someone watching me in the darkness that night. Um, and they keep, he keeps going about these like people in the dark in the corner of his eyes like this. He'll keep going on about this. And these are the cryptic spren, dude. They're watching him. Now, I did remember him seeing something in a mirror at one point. In one of the Yes, yeah, yeah. I did remember it. that. And I remember the fact that that was like a tip that, oh, he's kind of like Shallan in this regard. Yeah. So like, yeah, because when Patton first shows up, he's kind of like on the walls and he just kind of bends reality or whatever. So that's what Elikar's seeing. 
and the cryptic spreads are attracted by lies, right? So I looked into this more, like, why were they attracted to Elokar? And uh, Brando Sander was like, the lie that he's been living his whole life, that he's like, gonna, like, worthy to be king or whatever. That's wow. what's drawn them to him. And what's cool about that also, if you want to go deeper, the cryptics don't like honest Bren. So whenever Elokar hires Kaladin as a bodyguard, he loves Kaladin so much, but like, because he feels less paranoid, but all the cryptics would have left because, um, Sills around. Oh my god! Which is like a nice touch, right? That is a beautiful touch. I (laughs) love that. Yeah, because there's just like a whole other world going on at this, like you know, parallel to this. Just people think that they're maneuvering this world on their own accord (laughs) and have no external pressures, and then like you just see that this is just a big soup that everyone's got their ladle in. It is really crazy to think about all the factors that are going in on this. Yeah. Yeah, it was so fun reading about all this again. Um, and just, you know, again, meeting all these characters for the first time and going forward in their timeline and thinking, okay, what what um, clues has he laid down here? But this fight with the Chasm Fiend, mate, glorious is the word that comes to mind for me. I've got glory spread going off right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, I don't know, Chasm Fiends are just so freaky, dude. I've always said, like, uh, sorry to interrupt, but I've always said, right, um, whenever I see a book or a movie and I'm like, oh, who?" they'll be like, who would you want to play in that movie? I'm like, I would just be the extra dude who got stomped. Like, I would be the guy on the bridge who just fell down. Like, I would be able to do nothing in this scene. Like, in Attack on Titan, I'm like, oh, could I be Aaron Yeager? No, there's no (laughs) way. I'd be the, like, extra three hit by, like, the falling bell. I'd be the dude with the shotgun. (laughs) Yeah. There's like this in the adaptation, everyone's fighting the chasm fiend. They've just got like a tiny Jimmy nuts in the corner with a AA 12 or something. Yeah. I just take my own life. Cause I'm not sitting through this. Have you? Oh, oh, I'm getting the reference now. Okay. Yeah. It's a very sneaky attack on Titan. Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I got dark. Um, (laughs) I, have you ever seen the movie Starship Troopers? Um, I've seen clips of it because of Stormlight. Like someone said, like someone's made this connection before, right? Okay, okay, good. Because yeah. like the the monsters in Starship Troopers, the aliens, they like stab mm. through things. And I've always mm. thought about the Chasm Fiends in that regard and in like yeah. that same kind of movement, even if it yeah. might not be to- totally book accurate. It, it's what I think about in my brain. Yeah, it's just that large alien crustacean kind of gooey on the inside hard on the outside yes. <laughs> grossness yeah yeah oh uh, if only they had shard machine guns shard guns i feel like that's, <laughs> I feel like that's coming. coming in it's storm Navani's like coming out of the workshop hey guys uh just uh she's a rocket launcher little fabriel yeah yeah she's got yeah her rpg over her shoulder odium's toast mate <laughs> um yeah what a cool what a cool oh actually before that i'm just kind of surfing through the chapter now um you want to talk about hoyd showing up 
Oh, absolutely. That was the next thing on my docket. I was going to say, you know, we see Hoyd says, uh, wit, Adolin called waving. The newcomer trotted up to them, tall and thin. The king's wit rode easily on a black gelding. He wore a stiff black coat and black trousers, a color matched by his deep onyx hair. Though he wore a long, thin sword tied to his waist, as far as Adolin knew, the man had never drawn it, a dueling foil rather than a military blade. It was mostly symbolic. And we see that Adolin also says this new wit had been with them for some months and there was something different about him. He seemed to know things that he shouldn't, important things, useful things. Well, you don't, you don't say. <laughs> oh man. I love this because it's also right after the Pure Lake chapter. Yes. When like, hey, he can dye his hair sometimes and then and he comes with his black hair. Mm-hmm. And it, it also tells you a lot about the characters too because Renarin's like, I find him unnerving. And I then, circled that. Yeah. Yeah. And Adolin's like, best whip we've had in ages. You know, he's not <laughs> even thinking about it. He's like, this guy's great. Love this guy. Adolin's all of us on the first read. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> seriously, even I remember my dad when he read Way of Kings, when I forced it um, into his life, he, he loved wit. He's just like, this guy's the best. He's calling everyone out. And I'm like, actually, dad, he's part of the Cosmere. <laughs> um, take notes dad how dare Have you read for a world hopper yeah yeah i would i can already see his eyes glazing over did you put on glasses so you could push them up yeah i think so i think um <laughs> right at the tip of the nose is the um yeah. prime spot just so i can get my actually just really timed with that yes <laughs> um renarin's such a tease as a character right Mm-hmm. Brando's not even trying to like hide it. Like this dude's something's going on and he's just not going to give it to you right away. Hey. Yeah. And Wit even says, I think he might be more capable than you, uh, than you realize. I love that. Right. Yes. And I, 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 is that just Hoyd being like an astute, uh, observer of, of the human condition? I, I don't think he's seen it all before. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, oh, yes. Another future powerful nerd. <laughs> <laughs> in the making nerds rule the world yeah um yeah because i don't think i'm just trying to think of renarin's journey of eventually like you know getting powers i don't think it started yet i don't think there's a spren trying to talk to him or whatever yet so yeah, yeah. um but it was very fun to show up and i like watching dal and i be uncomfortable there's something fun about that yes um, watching this uh unopposing man kind of put dalinar on his back foot uh, especially yeah. knowing that who Dalinar is, is very, very entertaining. Yeah. Like people give Lyft a lot of, you know, a lot of hate, but watching Lyft, these characters with Dalinar is just an, just great time. Yes. He's just shuffling in his shard plate. Like, Ooh, stop that. <laughs> stop this. Um, <laughs> Quit farting around. Yes. <laughs> um, I kind of like, um, I kind of, another dude I liked, was like the um i forgot his name but like the guy setting up the hunt and oh yeah he was like chasing the chull and like the yeah bashin the guy right at the end of the chapter mm-hmm. he's like oh man i messed up and then oh, bam, straight in. yeah like <laughs> he just was like oh i'm sorry <laughs> just another day on the job um but then we get to look i mean we've been talking about both chapters but 10 heartbeats here we go cool. here we go and you know what, Jimmy? I was looking at the chapter arches because I'm just like, it's killing me. Why? Why are these faces here? Tell me why. Um, and someone wrote a big 
post on it. There must have been a Reddit Q&A at some point, And this person did a great write-up of like, okay, from what I can tell, it means this, 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 and this. And like the director at Dragonsteel, one of the higher-ups was like, yes, you've nailed it. Um, so it's more or less the very, very short version is to do with like the characters in the chapter if they're like sharing traits of those heralds um the like location you're in the like theme of the chapter you know just like just like whatever vibes with it you know it's not that exact um but what what was cool for um the previous chapter hoyd is in the hoyd is in the top because he shows up which is fun and Yezrian, who was the Herald of Kings, show is there because I'm assuming Alokar, and the whole theme is like kings and stuff. Yeah, so it makes sense. So there is like a there is a reason for the the heralds that are in the arch at the top, um, but it's not like location proximity. Yeah, as which what we wanted. Now, who? Um, what, what are the eyes? I feel like that's to let us know that the Kremlings are watching. Oh, dude! Yeah, oh, hell yeah! I love that. Actually, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I'm yeah, that's canon. That's canon. That's, right I'm there. dead serious. I literally, when I was looking, I was thinking, I was like, "Well, oh, dude, eyes. Just watching. yeah, man." And look I'm at all the, like the pieces around them. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, that's an eye like made up of stuff. Oh, dude. Unless, I think got it. I think unless got it. it's the dragon that is writing letter to. Well, look over on the um, seventeenth chart. I haven't watched it all yet, but they just did an interview with Sanderson, and he just dropped all the dragon lore in the cosmere supposedly oh. so that could be fun to watch but no nah, dude i mean yeah it does look like a bit of a dragon but no don't ruin this is a christian kremlin moment <laughs> all right and this is those are the kremlings that has to be it i will accept no other possibility that That's is so canon, canon here on lawson roshar folks yeah i just i just love the idea of this crazy chasm fiend fight going on and there are like two kremlings perched atop a rock being like oh god look look at the cia the kremlin investigative (laughs) agency i love it can we make it canon that they wear sunglasses yes okay good absolutely (laughs) so 10 heartbeats also there's 10 fundamental glyphs uh, which I thought mm. was really interesting. And we see Oathbringer, uh, which Oof. I will read this when Dalinar summons it. It's amazing. His shard blade, Oathbringer, formed in his hand, coalescing from mist, appearing as at the as the tenth beat of his heart thudded in his chest. Six feet long from tip to hilt, the blade would have been unwieldy in the hands of any man not wearing shard plate. To Dalinar, it felt perfect. He'd carried Oathbringer since his youth, bonding with a capital B, to it when he was 20 weepings capital uh, <laughs> old which i uh, that that that's an interesting i will come back to that it was yeah. long and slightly curved a handspan wide with a wave-like serrations near the hilt it curved at the tip like a fisherman's hook and was wet with cold dew so first off this is an anime sword secondly <laughs> the 20 this is the first time we've seen a reference to the weepings right uh i think we may have got it in a Kaladin flashback, okay. maybe okay. I don't know, but it's just like that happens once a year. The yeah. weeping there's like two weeks of just like light rain, so I'm assuming that's just what they call like a birthday, you know. That that that's what I'm thinking too. I just yeah. I just thought it was interesting that it was directly after bonding with the capital letter, like proper. Love the love the capitals, mate. Yeah, yeah, bonding. Like I don't 
actually remember what the process is of like you win a shard, but how do you bond with it? I forgot how they like pass over the ownership. Cause like, it's easy when it's like, it's their spray and you're like, okay, but what, the dead eye ones, I'm not, I don't actually recall. Um, but yeah, look, Oathbringer, dude, just reading that again. I was like, oh dude. Epic. We're back. Epic. It's so epic. Yeah. Anime swords, a hundred percent. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in. I love like how there was this moment. I don't, I don't know if I had the line, um, highlighted, but when he like drops it and it doesn't dissipate straight away and as it falls it like cuts through the rock and then it turns to mist i was like dude this is just so sick it's just, <laughs> it's it's so, just so cool it's just so i mean that's cool. all you can say about this chapter like this chapter um 13 is just like well-written action very mm. easy to follow and you're seeing mm. things that you have never seen in any <laughs> other fantasy book before and it's just uh it's really well done and i love the tension in this chapter even knowing what happens in it I still felt the uh, stakes in, in the risk that Renarn was taking when he runs out unguarded by the plate. Cause yeah. we're just seeing people run oh, around. Yeah. Seeing yeah. Elokar, I thought I was like, does he die here? Like, am I <laughs> like, I literally felt like it was kind of teasing into that. So Sanderson did a really nice job. I think of building the tension in the scene. I defy you creature. Oh my I God. defy you. <laughs> Make it angry. <laughs> Dude, just the image of Dalinar holding it up. Bro. You know. He caught the damn thing. How crazy. Oh, that was so sick. It was so sick. Um yeah, like I couldn't have explained it better myself. I also noted the violet blood. I kept I highlighted all the violet blood mentions. I also um, thought that was interesting. Yeah. So, look, okay. Okay, they were probably there in the in the prelude, but I, uh, Kremlings, Kremlings is all I'm going to say. I can't wait to see what color they are. Um, but look, yeah, that was interesting, and the the whole gem heart thing. Yeah, just it's been a minute. Hey, it's been that a is, minute. I've not that is what we end the chapter on, and I'm like, mm. whoa, I forgot about gem hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just started to think, like, is it? It's kind of weird, right? Very weird. Why are they in? Like, why? I mean, it's a whole like. It seems to be the theme with all the Rosharian creatures, you know, um, that they have these like gem hearts within them. But, and, I, and it's kind of relating to what's going on with Fabrials. I don't know. Like, I wonder, like, when do you start your book? Because Sanderson would have just had to figure all this out. It just seems like a lot of work before being like, all right, chapter one. I, I totally agree with you. And I'm sitting here like, like were they some kind of like machine like biological machines that, made that's what it started to feel like right it felt like it feels almost manufactured but is that just our human perspective of like it's not fleshy therefore it's from the rosharian factory i don't know well that's one thing i will say is remember that roshar is not a human planet so yeah. we do need to you know things are done differently over here in, in a totally different species really so that is possible but i get the feeling that it's almost like a machine i really do well it's like the posh indie have this too though you know and yeah. they let it spread into their gem heart you know gain the forms and everything mm. i don't but for them because we read of the, from their pov it feels more human right less machine yeah a i think it's more might, believable yeah yeah it just might be the way things roll here but like what also has just struck me because we just know the greatest stakes and the greatest story i'm like this is such a waste of time what are we doing <laughs> <laughs> like what are we doing 
<laughs> oh man, you're it's right. You had a lot of bigger fish or crumblings to fry. Yeah, dude, we're just like living in the country, and this is where our tax dollars are going to this nonsense. <laughs> All these rich bastards fighting off demons. Come just on, playing a big old game out there, man. It's messed up. Yeah, and they like set up the tent. Elikar's like drinking wine with all his friends. Or forcing people to do bridge runs. That's crazy. Dude. Yeah, wasted taxpayer dollars. Shut it down. Um, Shut it down. I'm tired of this. <laughs> I'm going to tape the whole area off. I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough, actually. We need a revolution. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> but yeah, man, what a uh, that that felt like one big chapter to me. One yeah, big definitely epic. Does characterization action law wit showed up good stuff yeah Anything great introductions great characterization i mean i just love the action in this man you know i i'm one of the weird people who don't always love action in books like sometimes those are the parts that i i i never skim read but those are the parts that i'm paying the least amount of attention to but the, these ones still on a reread really gripped me and i was very 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 happy to be rereading them yeah look i love sanderson I love his books, but reading Stormlight feels like a major step up from his other work, you know, and going between secret projects to this, I'm like, damn, man, I I swear it's that. I completely agree. I haven't read the new secret project. I'm excited to, but I, I just agree completely. I always, um, pick up the other Cosmere works and a lot of them are good, but for me, it's always like, this is what I think of when I think of Brandon Sanderson. Yeah, man. I'm just like, Am I reading this ebook? What am I doing? Where's the leather bound? Where is it? The leather bound, bro. It's not in my possession, so it's obviously in the wrong place. But I've just what have I done with my life? What am I doing? I host this podcast and I don't have the leather bound. Mate. We, we need to we need to get you the leather bound. Yeah. Um I'll go to Utah and just knock on the door and be like, Sanderson, please, may I have a fresh printed copy? Of the leather bound with um, Christian Kremling imprinted on, on the front cover. And he will slam the door closed and say, quit trying to solve my story. He's like, mate, I'm not interested in your cult. I don't care <laughs> about your hats. Get out of here. Quit slandering the safe hand, damn you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Well, everybody, thank you again for joining us on this episode of Lost in Rosha. Remember, the most important chapter a man can read is the next one. We'll see you next week to dive into chapters 14 and 15. And if you loved this episode or enjoyed it at all of the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on whichever platform you listen on. If you have feedback, questions, or theories, please span read us at lostinroshar at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Lost in Roshar. And remember to keep that safe hand covered.